What's happening, weirdos? This episode of You Made It Weird is with the incredible Marianne Williamson. Here's a little taste. I found 90% of the time in my life, the best advice I can give myself is get over yourself. Mm. This is so inconsequential to the larger things that are happening in this world. Uh, 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 Look at what's happening in Iran. Look at what's happening in Afghanistan. Look at what's happening. Get over yourself. Mm. And it does help you have a greater uh, willingness to be a person who can handle, who can sweat the, don't sweat the small stuff. So excited that Marianne is here. You guys are going to love this chat. I sure did. Obviously, Marianne is a American author, best-selling author, number one best-selling author, a spiritual leader, and a former and possibly future presidential nominee. So it was a thrill to get to sit down with her. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Just a couple things to plug up top, one of which is I am currently on tour. If you would like to see me, actually, let me get the dates. Let me get those sweet, sweet dates. Because uh, we just added a whole bunch of cities. I'm doing my new hour of stand-up. I'll be in Atlanta, Charlotte, North Carolina, Washington, D.C., Vancouver, Grand Rapids, San Diego, New Orleans, Dallas, Houston, Milwaukee, Madison, Wisconsin, Royal Oak, Michigan, Minneapolis, New York, New York, and finally, Connecticut. Uh, it's it's a great tour. I'm, I'm really excited about this hour. It's extra good because the quarantine shut things down. I've been working on this one longer, and I'm going to say I think it's my best one yet. Very excited, and thank you to all the weirdos that have come out so far. So go to PeteHolmes.com if you'd like to see me out on the road. This episode is brought to us by our friends at Living Libations. Living Libations is a high-end natural hair, skin, teeth, eyes, whatever you have, they have a beauty product, a skincare product, a self-care product that is made with ingredients that you will recognize. For years, I've been careful about what I put in my body, but I wasn't being very careful about what I put on my body when it comes to like moisturizers, shaving creams, aftershave, uh, uh, gum care, stuff like this. I just was buying what they had at the pharmacy or worse, some weird kiosk at the mall. And I thought it was high end. I thought it was nice. I thought it was good quality. What, because it had uh, a French name or maybe because it was expensive. But of course, these products are filled with chemicals and toxicity levels that were just not intended for human consumption. And make no mistake, if you're putting something in your hair or on your skin, it's getting absorbed into your bloodstream. It's getting into your body. So this stuff was not intended for human consumption. It's not made for humans. It's weird. So if you want to replace these items in your medicine cabinet, in your shower, with a beautiful, not only a beautiful powerful, effective product with ingredients that you can recognize and a natural quality that you will see and feel the difference, but actually super, super powerful products, meaning not some like watered down hippie version of a product, but a badass effective version that's made with stuff that you can read those ingredients and feel good about. Living Libations is here to save your day and your skin and your hair and your teeth and your nails whatever it is. This is a great way to support the show because they have lots of small things. So you can show your support of the show by getting yourself uh, a tongue scraper at Living Libations, or you can do a complete, like Val and I did, complete overhaul of all of your products and become just a Living Libations house. That's what that's what we've done. A good example of how effective these are, their uh, exfoliant scrub, exfoliating scrub, 
not only is it made with stuff that you will know, you'll know everything on that ingredient list, it's way more, it's got more grit and more exfoliating power than any exfoliant I've ever used in my life. And pro tip, baked right into this ad, uh, it's super important to exfoliate before you shave. I don't know if you guys are having a hard time or getting razor burn. A huge pro tip is exfoliate before you shave. And if you use their ginger exfoliating scrub, you're going to get more dead skin cells off and a cleaner, clear shave. I'm sure that would be true for if you're shaving your legs as well. I just shave my face. So I'll tell you that. It works for my face. Plants, oils, extracts that you recognize as real and natural and it works like the Zen Shave is the bomb that they make that I use to shave. It's so clean and natural and moisturizing. You can actually use a dab of it as your aftershave. Try doing that with some weird anonymous neon green blue goo you shoot out of a pressurized can. And at night, both Val and I use their best skin ever moisturizer. Smells great, feels great, keeps your skin looking great and healthy and vibrant and alive. We use that before bed. But it's wonderful if you can support the show and living libations is a great, great way to do it. Whatever you need to replace skin, body, baby, if you have a baby or a child, we lather in the summer months, uh, Leela in their love the sun zinc based, uh, sunblock because it's actually natural. So hard. You type in natural uh, sunblock online, you find a bunch of ones that aren't actually natural. They're just, for some reason, it's a loophole. They call themselves natural. Living libations will give you the real deal, the real natural one that isn't filled with toxic stuff. So go to livinglibations.com slash weird. You don't have to use a promo code anymore. Just go to livinglibations.com slash weird, and you will get 15% off and you'll show your support of this show. We're also brought to us by our friends at Onnit, the makers of Alpha Brain. You guys know I swear by nootropics, and Alpha Brain is my must-have go-to nootropic. What is a nootropic? It's earth-grown ingredients that help your brain do what it needs to do. I'm talking about memory. I'm talking about concentration. I'm talking about focus. For me, creative work. For the past six, seven years now, eight years, I haven't done a podcast. I haven't written a script. I haven't acted in a TV show or a movie. I haven't even gone out on a date or sometimes just take a couple. I don't even have anything to do that day because I want my brain to be functioning at its highest level. It's not a stimulant. It's not like caffeine. It doesn't get you up. It just It's like food for your brain. I think of uh, goldfish are like your ideas. Alpha Brain is sprinkling food onto that t- on the top of the water for your ideas to nibble on and come to, I'm going to say it, fruition. Alpha Brain has been a huge, huge help in my creative life, but also just my social life. If you want your brain working well, I wish I knew about this in in school. I'm so glad I know about it now. I have it in the pockets of my coats. I have it in my car. I have it in my travel bag. Alpha Brain has absolutely changed my life for the better. If you like it one-tenth as much as I do, you're about to shit your pants. Give it a try. They have it in powder form. They have it in pill form. It's absolutely wonderful. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird. You'll get 10% off everything you see on that landing page. That's onnit.com slash weird. All right, everybody. Enjoy. Marianne Williamson. Hope to see you on the road. PeteHolmes.com. All right. Get into it. I'm thrilled to meet you. I really am. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How, uh, we, we were saying off mic a little bit, you saw the pictures of Ram Dass and I was happy. I, I wasn't surprised. And that's Richard Rohr's hat right there. <laughs> you know, know Richard, Richard as well? Hat. I know Richard yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. He gave me that hat. 
<laughs> which was his, and it's my little Richard Rohr relic overlooking my uh, my desk. What well, what are your what's your connection to Ramnas? Well, or your relationship with him? I knew him. You know, first of all, years before I actually knew him, uh, "Be Here Now" was such a an important book. For my generation, that was what we all read. And then later, of course, just because of the work I do, I knew him. Of he course, yeah. He really changed uh, after his stroke. And he became, he had been a bit of a tough guy. And after his stroke, he became very, very sweet. Yeah. No, I, I, I can attest to post-stroke Ramdas is my mm-hmm. favorite Ramdas. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's an Aries. Not that, I'm not a huge astrology person. He was an Aries? Uh, he's an Aries. I'm also an Aries. I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. And I don't know what he is on the Enneagram, but my personal feeling was he might have been an achiever. I, but I'm also well, could be projecting. Well, you mentioned Richard Rohr, so Richard Rohr would probably know Ramdas's Enneagram. I've never, I don't <laughs> know if it's ever come up. Although Richard is wrong, Richard always says I'm a seven. And I am not a seven, although a seven, I like to say a, a seven hosts this show. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't have a natural, I don't grok the Enneagram the way I do like astrology yeah. and other systems. Oh, really? You're yeah. more I mean, astrology? It always sounds interesting, but it's not a, like I'll hear one and go, oh, that's me. And then I'll go, no, that's me. And then somebody says, well, no, it's the wings and all that. And I just get bored before I figure it out. Yeah. No, I can dig that. Mm-hmm. I can dig that. But Ramdas being i guess it was sort of like a humbling from the from the stroke oh the stroke oh yeah. he he was so sweet that that the, the younger uh ramdas was a tough guy in a way do you have any did you meet him as before the stroke or was it yeah. just after oh, yeah, you I knew him before yeah. how were you introduced you read be here now well i do that kind of work you know no i'm i'm not it's surprised like, i'm just i'm like, looking you know, for the story it, i guess yeah it's, it's, i don't know who how it all originally, I remember when I had been invited to actually to do something at the White House and I called him to ask him what he thought and if he thought I should go. No, they're all a bunch of, you know. He was he was kind of very... <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh-huh. But once again, he became someone very different. Yeah, yeah. I do, that, that was my experience. That was the view. I did a couple private retreats with him where, I don't know if you knew that, he did that later in his life. Where in you Hawaii? Just got to Were sit you in with Hawaii? Him. Yeah, I went to yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, that's why I last saw him. And sit with him, which was super yeah, meaningful he, he for came me. to a talk I did in Hawaii, and he was just in a wheelchair, and he was just so sweet. Yeah, it's funny. One of the reasons I'm so thrilled to talk with you is because I... I'm on. I think I'm on lesson seventy-one of course the course. Miracles, yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm really into it. Yeah, and very, very excited. And I was like, we need to have somebody on the show. And of course, you're the first name that comes up. Thank you. But but yeah, no. And you're brilliant when you talk about it. So you couldn't be talking to somebody more excited. Oh, thank uh, you so to much. To share this time with you. Yeah. What's lesson seventy-one? Lesson seventy-one is God's. Uh, I might get the wording a little bit wrong, but it's God's plan for salvation is the only oh, one that will work. Oh yeah, the idea that God's plan for salvation will work and yours won't, and the egos won't. Yeah, yeah. it's really. I mean, I find that like sixty-five to seven, where I am right now, has just been real fire and amazing stuff. Well, it's a very specific curriculum in the dismantling. The first half of the year is dismantling a thought system based on fear, yeah. And the second half is is replacing that with a thought system based on love. It's lot. lot it's a lot like being at the gym with a trainer. Yes, they know which specific <laughs> exercises and weights and all of that for specific. Um, it's a curriculum. Right. And uh, 
But that idea of God's plan for salvation as opposed to mine is obviously a big one because the Western mind, we're trained to thinking that, you know, I got to go get what I want in life and make it happen. And the orientation of the Course in Miracles is much more Eastern in feel, yeah. less about making it happen, more about allowing it to happen. Mm. So when you have this got to go, first of all, you know, got to go take the bull by the horns. Well, that's a suicidal thing to do. <laughs> so and typically right yeah well taking a bull by the horns is a terrible idea yeah not a good idea um the idea of allowance of angels pushing you from behind the idea that you you don't plan the future you allow you program the future you plan the future is very different than you program the future the way to program the future is by living very fully in this moment mm. so the western mind would say well i'm sitting here talking to pete what could i get out of this and what should i what should i make this be that maybe will serve me later yeah that's the corruption of the ego mind and i have to lose and you have to win that sort of idea well i wouldn't even necessarily i mean i could still see it as hopefully i hope he gets something out of it too sure but just the idea that i'm this is just a way to get me somewhere else right as opposed to if i will show up fully in this moment as best i can for whatever might be a sharing of good energy the future will take care of itself for sure that's a very different orientation to the future right i, I guess what I'm, what i meant by that i have to lose i don't think you're trying to beat me but I, one of the things that i think the course is good at pointing out is that it's a win-win universe it's a yeah, yeah. kill or be killed yeah well because there's only one of us here in the course's perspective, there's only one of us here, yeah, right? So, so that's why showing up for you, I am showing up for myself. Completely agree. That's why I wanted to give you a hug. I wanted to make you feel so welcome because it is just us. But in the ego's thoughts, so today's lesson is like the ego system. There are a couple things that it mentioned. One was that it doesn't work, and that it's not. It's designed not to work. Do you remember? Well, it says that? not only is it designed not to work, it's denied to destroy you. Right. It is. It's not neutral. It's like alcoholism. It's not here to inconvenience you. It's here to kill you. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. it's a progressive, like they say about NAA, it's a progressive disease. Addiction is progressive. Cancer is pro progressive. Yeah. I mean, inertia means the tendency of the object to move in whatever direction it's been moving unless and until there's a direction of a counterforce. Mm. So we like to think, well, my thoughts are neutral. I'm not out to, to hurt anybody. Well, actually, if you're not proactively there to help somebody, you are. to be of service to love, yeah, there's no such thing as a neutral thought. Right. It's either a thought of proactive light or of an insidious darkness. And that's another course thing that really stood out to me. I, I'm just so thrilled to be talking to somebody that, that knows it so well. It's, a, it's yeah, really exciting for me. Talking about like even a mild grievance is the same as oh. murder. Like there's no difference. It, like, a and small, that's a big one for all of it's us. It's a big of one. But, but when I read this sort of stuff, I was like, oh my God, this is what I've been waiting for. I, I, it's, it's fierce. Does that make sense? Like fierce. I was waiting for something fierce. Truth I joke with my fierce. friends. I go, this is metal, like the music, metal. Yeah. Oh, I it's say not New Age spa music. No. It's like, yeah. it's like no. acid to I, burn I, away illusion. Yeah. I always say, of course, in miracles is God for smart people. <laughs> well, of course, yeah, that's this flattering. Is, this is not spa music here. That's what it is people not. say. Oh, it's just something to help people cope. Well, it's not always so comfortable. But that issue about a grievance is so major to the course. You can have a grievance or you can have a miracle. You cannot have both. Right. Um, and even a small grievance. And it, well, you know, I, I think of it in terms of like a shadow across the sun. It could be my hat or it could be a building. Either way, if it's a shadow, it's a shadow. Right. Um, and as you said, any thought. 
So you really, the Course in Miracles says you achieve so little because you have an undisciplined mind. So you start not only disciplining behavior, but even your thoughts. Yeah. Even your thoughts. Yeah. Like, oh, he's blah, blah, blah. That's going to corrupt something in how you show up in a situation. If I, if I walk into a business meeting or any situation at all, and I'm carrying judgmental thoughts about who's going to be there, and I don't clear that. Yep. Then I heard you on Oprah say that you got to blast them with love, and which uh, yeah. I did for you, by the way. Oh, thank you. I was you. like, Marianne's coming. I'm thank opening you. my heart, and you kind of feel it. You there's a there's a body Absolutely. correlation that you feel this spaciousness opening well, up. We all know you walk into a place and it's like this kind of bad energy. You kind of feel the yeah, sure. You know, everybody subconsciously knows everything because all minds are joined. So if mm. you walk into a place and you you come with a kind of radical goodwill, you come with a kind of namaste consciousness. People tend to like you more. They won't necessarily know why. Yeah. But they're more at home with you because you've made a place for them in your own heart. It's funny. I remember before I got more spiritual, I remember reading some Tony Robbins stuff or listening to Tony Robbins. And he was talking about try to picture how you want a meeting to go. Picture them laughing or smiling or whatever it was. That seems to be like a baby step in the direction of what we're talking about. Well, what you just described is fine. You see them laughing or whatever. But too much of that mentality is sales and exploitation. Because it's about, okay, how many units of your product do you want to sell at this meeting? And how much of me do I want them to buy? Right? Well, yeah, but let's stay with the product issue for a moment if we might. So a lot of that says, imagine how many... Um, units of this product, you want to? I want to sell, you know, sell at this meeting, and I'm going to have that in my mind. Well, really, that's directing your subconscious mind to manipulate the person in whatever way possible to make your sale. Mm-hmm. That's very different, you know. I think people don't necessarily realize when you say may god's will be done god is love and will is thought so if you go into any situation just may god's will be done may love prevail here Mm. then that which is best for you and that which is best for me will by definition occur if i can't honestly let's say in that sales meeting if i don't honestly believe that this product might help your life then I shouldn't be in this job. You know, many years ago, back in the 1980s, early 1980s, I had a bookstore. And in those days, it was before everything was online, and the the publishing salesmen, sales reps, would come to the bookstore and explain to the um, bookseller what the new books for the season were in order to try to sell them. And there was this one guy, and I don't remember what publisher was. It was a major publisher, but I remember how much I looked forward to it. He had read all the books, and he would tell me. And I was so fortunate to be uh, have a career, and still do, in a gentleman's business. The publisher wins, the reader wins, and the author wins. There doesn't have to be any exploitation there. Mm. It's, it's really everybody, you know, the publisher invests money, the writer invests effort, the uh, reader invests, everybody leaves with value, mm-hmm. right? So that's what sales should be. Like, I have this, this might be good for you. And I don't want you to take it if it's not good for you. Right. So the sort of unfettered capitalist, you know, stuff that we're also aware of these days is one of which I'll tell you anything I need to tell you. Uh, to get you to buy my product. And that's obviously led to consequences in our society where we treat other people that way. Everything's like Tinder. Everything's 
exploit Swipe everything's manipulate everything's yeah. and everything's a do lie for me yeah pardon me. Everything everything's does a, become a lie yeah. yeah well it's like designed obsolescence comes to mind well, it's like isn't that a strange too. thing that we've just taken that's just normal like my, my the charger in the bottom of my iphone just isn't working and i was like this has happened before and this is why i bought an old iphone and isn't it strange it's not strange that a corporation does it because i can understand how that could become insane but it's weird that we've forgiven it not in the good way i agree with it's that. weird that we're just like that's normal i agree <laughs> i really agree with that things don't last yeah and they're not supposed to last because i'm programmed to have to buy a new one right oh you know, you're absolutely right and as a woman we feel that you know what do you mean? This uh, obsolescence at a certain age, you know? Oh, yes, the disposable. Men don't experience that the way we do. I wonder if that is unconsciously why we accept the deflowering, forgive the term, but the deflowering of your iPhone, that it's beautiful things are supposed to crash and fade, and then we buy new ones, like we get mistresses. Well, yeah, I mean, if a woman, if there's that age of the proverbial unfuckable, then that gives the man permission to go for the younger version. Right. Mm-hmm. So isn't our biology and We don't informing. say that about you. We don't say that about men and what age does he become. No, I know. Mm-hmm. Jeff Bridges just looks great. He still looks... Uh-huh. I know, it's completely unfair. <laughs> My wife and I were just talking about this. Like, when you have children, the idea that the woman has been used or something. Like, it's been... Cl- like, the idea of deflowering. I, I know well, I already said that. The deflowering thing had to do with virginity. Yeah, I know, but what happens when you lose your virginity? <laughs> that is what they used to call deflowering. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But like that, we, we just had a great conversation about that. But I wonder if our biology is sort of reflecting the way that we look at commerce, the way that we look at consumerism. Oh, well, my God. <laughs> yeah, every well, but that's, I mean, every single, I mean, if you look at what's happening now with the algorithms, with the, especially on social media, how we're all just trained to, for our eyes to go to the thing mm-hmm. where, there has been a profit center based on my suffering or based on my feeling that I'm not enough unless I get this or that. And like I said, it's not just that it has become so core to the way our economic system operates. It becomes core too much to how we operate as people. Mm. We're auditioning each other Mm -hmm. these days more than we're relating to each other sometimes. What can you do for me is almost built into the um, built into the to the system, but that's what happens if you go into any situation thinking, okay, what's my intention here? What do I want to have happen? Right. I don't know. Maybe people really know each other, like each other, and see if some goodwill can be generated. Right. That's why selling out doesn't exist anymore. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Oh no, selling out is considered just like modus operandi. That's a good thing. You're considered. Yeah. Qu- you're considered like. What are you talking about? Yeah. If if you say anything else, no, we have a soulless economic model at this point, where any kind of public ethics has been thrown uh, to the wayside, and of course, at that point, any kind of personal ethics as well. Yeah, that's right, because they're intertwined. Yeah. Is I, I just you know I'm a comedian. I don't know if you know, but like I was doing a joke about how our phones are listening to us, mm-hmm. and I jokingly say the Illuminati is making the like just because people know that means the people that don't have your best interests. Of course, I'm joking, but it's like. The idea that our phones listen to us is one thing, because we see that, but the idea that we don't really care. Well, <laughs> like, you know, that's interesting <laughs> that you say that. I do care. And yeah. you can, you know, it, the Chinese is, you know, scarier to me than the Illuminati. Um, <laughs> the, the issue here, of course, is that I have an, in, because of my age, I have an institutional memory of a time when people would go, what the fuck? What is this? I can't even take my battery out of my phone. Because mm. I have a, a memory of a time when people would have realized this isn't how it's supposed to be. Yeah, you're right. Now, young people don't even have a memory of a time when 
You could also, unplug a phone uh-huh, from the wall. That. Yeah, I didn't well, mean to interrupt. Well, not just them, unplugging, just... but you could take the battery out yes, and all that. Yes, that's right. But just of a time when the level of not only surveillance, but all kinds of limitation on, on really individual liberty But because it was, it was turned into, what about this attitude? Your phone is listening to you, but then your ads are better. Like I, I catch sometimes no. young people. Well, what's I better? don't feel that way. But yeah. young people go like, oh, the algorithm's studying my every swipe, my every linger on Instagram. But then I get an ad. I don't feel this way. Uh-huh. I get an ad that's catered to what I'm pausing at. Like I pause more at dogs. So they're saying so that's gives, better? I see an attitude, even if it's unconscious or unspoken, that young people are kind of like, well, who cares? Oh, I mean, God. because I... Those young, then they have some things to think about. The one that kills me is not just my swipe. I have had two experiences that really blew my mind that I noticed. Mm. The phone was in the other room. <laughs> and my girlfriend said, I have a girlfriend who was at the house and she said, uh, where, where'd you get that, that furniture? I said, I bought it at this place. She said, what's the company? I said, I don't know. I'll go look in the drawer. My phone was two rooms away. Oh, wow. And the next day I got an ad, or later that day, I can't remember, got an ad for that company. Hmm. That happened to me also at a dinner party I was at where my phone was in the kitchen. Hmm. That's, that's really scary. Yeah. It's not just tracking what I'm, um, you know, what I'm swiping or clicking into. It's listening to me. Uh, I, you know, the, the implications of this are so outrageous. And I think when you say people who say, well, what difference does it make? It's people who can't, the whole thing seems so huge. How do you fight that? Yeah. I think there is an overwhelm. Uh-huh. And then a give up. Like, what can you do? I'm in this maze. I might as well find and the cheese, I guess. that's where we are. And that's what's so dangerous about this moment in history. Yeah. We're almost giving ourselves over to an increasingly dystopian social reality. And that, that social reality. Yeah, I yeah. was just going to say that. The idea that Instagram mm-hmm. becomes life. Like this whole small AI visual conversation. Mm. You know, I was noticing on the new uh, program on my computer, okay, every time you upgrade and stuff. So I'm a writer and I'm writing a book and the um, there's a little blue line and so I check it while it's suggesting better grammar. And at first I thought, you know, I don't, I don't need this. And then I started noticing, well, this is really smart. Mm really is like yeah and, and i had read did you read andrew yang's book um war against normal uh-uh. yeah it came out during the last election season war against normal people i think okay it's really good mm. uh i think it was a bestseller it was really good and he talks about um uh how ai he said you think you're in a job that no one could replace I'll give you an example stand-up comedy sure you probably think uh well ai couldn't you know, replace me as a stand-up comic. Mm. You'd be surprised how far some of this stuff is going. Sure. Did you see the movie uh, Deus? No. Okay. No, wait a minute. Or, no, Ex Machina. Yeah, Ex Machina, I've seen. Wasn't that an amazing movie? Yeah, I love that. Don't I get me started fooled. on Ex Machina. <laughs> I was fooled. Were you fooled? By? Well, the whole thing of who the real person was versus the virtual. Wait, you, you the, the woman is the robot. Yeah. Yeah. But I was fooled. What did you think? I didn't... She had me fooled. Oh, that she was real. Uh I understand what you're saying. I have a completely different approach. I think there's like a weird um, Freudian Oedipal thing going on in that movie. That you're the child. The child is the robot. You fall in love with the mother to convince them to let you out and you kill the father on the way out. Well, yeah, but (laughs) but I think both those layers are 
can be true. Oh yeah, no, I'm not saying. I mean, to the just that, contrary that it can be done now was that it was so built into her programming that all the little tricks that I thought, oh, that's why you couldn't fool me. Right, right. She fooled she did. me. Let me put this to you though, because you I, and I aren't in different that different of uh, professions. Meaning. Ramdas had a very similar comedic style. I think he was very funny. He actually yeah. did stand up in the village in a little bit. Anyway, what I'm saying is when I'm doing a show and when you're giving a talk, uh-huh. I would imagine you you have a similar feeling. I my mantra is it's not about the words. I believe that ChatGPT probably today, you could write into ChatGPT, you know that AI, write a joke in the style of Pete Holmes about bananas and how they're better than apples and it might it might do it. But I just did a show. I was in Seattle last night. Went great wasn't about the words. I like, hear that. Nobody, and I agree with you. Yeah. They can't, they're not human and they will not be human. That, that's what, like the idea Absolutely. that it could write material, I'll concede that today. No, no part of my ego goes like, only I could write my bullshit. I'm saying when, what they're actually experiencing is like Avatar when you're holding arms around the tree. Yeah. It's, and what we're experiencing, I get the best seat in the house. I'm here with you. People listen to the words. But what they're actually getting is a feeling of connection. Yeah. And that's what you're paying for. And that's why my special will never be as good as seeing me live. Well, you know, this brings up so much because on one hand, you're absolutely correct. Oh, it's so funny. An Alan Watts book over there. You're really, you're totally back to my generation. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Let's smoke um, a doobie. <laughs> uh, Let's call Bernie, smoke a doobie. We'll but, listen to some Alan Watts records. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Even without AI, how tricked we can be. Like sociopathic behavior. I mean, all kinds of stuff mm. can can trick us. And I mean, that's the whole point of the sociopath who can make you feel like their feelings are so real. Yes. That's, so that's, you don't even that's need brilliant, by the way. To, there are like, human AIs. Mm-hmm. There are people, and it's a mental mm-hmm. disorder often, but it's like they're doing an impression. It's depersonalization. You feel like you're not Absolutely. a member of the human race. This George Santos thing is really fascinating. Mm. Or really, unfortunately, really... Anyway, yeah. Sure. No, I understand what you're yeah, saying. I mean, criminals and all that. Yeah. You know what's interesting about all of this AI and, and Instagram and the age that we're living in? Mm-hmm. Do you sometimes think that there was a spiritual advantage to the time that you were in? Talking about landline oh my telephones. God, I say it all the time. Who would have thought we'd be nostalgic for the 70s? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was a turbulent time? It was a crazy time? No, no. 70s wasn't really turbulent. And in a, more, in a way that we I, we can see in retrospect, it was more generative than we realized at the time. We thought we were just taking a rest after the 60s. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it was like any period of rest generating the next thing. Mm. Um, th- there is no doubt about it. I... You know, I used to say that I learned most of what I know on airplanes because I would find it so fascinating talking to people next to me on airplanes. It's somebody doesn't know you, so doesn't have any preconceived ideas about you. Everybody's a little more aware than usual of their mortality. That's right. And you really meet all kinds of people you would never meet under other circumstances. I agree Today, with you. you get on a plane, and more often than not, people want to close their, their drape at their window. They want to close the shade mm-hmm. so that the most magnificent drama of nature is not available to them <laughs> for whatever reason in order to watch a grade B movie or get on their tablet or put on their their earphones immediately and there's a human being next to them. Yeah. There's nothing. Well, the entire mystery of the cosmos is next to them, right? I mean, uh, yes, like the exactly. whole thing is next to them. Exactly. I remember one man who I once said, hi, I'm Marianne. He went, good. 
He Lin- couldn't even bring himself to say hi. I'm Mark. Who said this? Some man next. Oh, to some man. I thought you said Lin Manuel. I'm like Lin Manuel no, Miranda Lin-Manuel blew you up. Very nice. <laughs> no, I totally know what you mean. I, I think there's a metaphor there. In fact, I'm, I'm working on a movie, and one of the symbols is how we're always blocking our ears. We're always putting on. We don't, and then shades. we say, "Well, where's love? I can't find love." Right. The Course in Miracles says you're like people in a very bright room with your uh, fingers in front of your eyes, going, "It's it's dark in here." Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. we miss out on so much because we miss the per- and that's why it it concerns me when I see these little children on tablets. Right. So talk about quiet and talk about mind searching and talk about the decision maker, which I, you know, that term isn't in the course, but Ken talks about the decision maker. Ken Ken Wapnick. Oh, Wapnick. Yeah. The idea that it's all of this, the the two lessons pre or yesterday's lesson was my, my salvation comes from me. Yeah. That one, forget it. It, it, I'm, I'm struck with how many times Jesus in the course is saying the whole thing in one lesson. And my salvation comes from me was one of those lessons right. where I'll never also love made me like itself. Is, mm-hmm. This is what I mean. These love are the, created me like itself. Right. And hope created me hopeful and, and faith created me faithful yeah. and peace created me peaceful. Wholeness created me holy. The, I, I have the chills. I can't say it. And you know it. You know there's a pure place in you that is all of those things. And this is what I'm putting back to you. And I'm, you know, I was just on an airplane watching a movie yesterday, so I'm not doing it all. Oh, I'm the not time. saying we shouldn't watch movies. No, on no one thought that. No one thought that. I'm just I saying. Good ones. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I'm not there all the time, but like, I part of the flight I was there. Part of the flight I would close my eyes, did my lesson, and I was like, oh my god, I was right there. So forget the '70s shepherds with their sheep, or you know what I'm saying? Like throughout human history, we had more time to spelunk into our inner reality and no, it's being we didn't, no we didn't have more time they just have fewer distractions that's what i mean that's why you know every religious system or spiritual system that i've ever read about emphasizes the power of the morning if you wake mm. up in the morning and the first thing you do is you go to snapchat or instagram or your social media or you download the newspaper you are downloading the stressful perspective of the world Mm -hmm. and it's very difficult to change later Mm. that's why the course in miracles talks about doing the exercises in the morning all the great religious systems do if you take the time and the course in miracles does say five minutes spent with the holy spirit in the morning is enough to guarantee he will be in charge of your thought forms throughout the day Mm. if you do your exercise in the morning you will have a different nervous system yeah and if you instead allow your nervous system to become wrinkled by all the meaningless thoughts of the world good luck on not being depressed by noon right and then of course uh unregulated capitalism has come up with an answer for that of course isn't (laughs) i mean you just said a mouthful but isn't it interesting i think we sort of get addicted to fear it becomes like the the devil you know yes would you speak about that well because why do we run to it or sometimes i catch myself like the course says you want to be angry if you're angry you want to be well it's your own mind turned against you right the mind is so powerful being literally of the mind of god whatever thought you think has power Mm. so you are totally at choice what thought to think. But something you don't have a choice about is whether or not your thinking will be powerful. Mm. So all thought, the Course says, takes you and those around you straight to heaven or straight to hell. Mm. Heaven is not a condition or a place. It's an awareness of our oneness. Hell is not a condition or a place. It's the anxiety that the ego would have you feel in any moment that you feel separate from the rest of life. That's That's how powerful thoughts are. And the Course in Miracles says there's no such thing as a neutral thought. Yeah, I did that one. That goes back to what we're saying before about discipline you know you go to the physical gym 
you work out because you're you're honing your physical muscles so that you can move and mm. be strong. Mm. With spiritual exercise, you're honing your attitudinal muscles so mm. you can be non-reactive and still. Like the line, be still and know. Because if I'm not still, I can't know. Mm-hmm. Only in stillness can I get clarity. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's, it's very parallel to the physical world. In the physical world, there's gravity. And as I grow older, if I'm not countering gravity, accumulated weight bearing, etc., my muscles headed down. Mm. Emotional gravity, psychological gravity, if I'm not repeating accumulated repetitions of high-minded thought, mm-hmm. I'm being pulled down by cynicism. Right. I'm being pulled down by negativity. I'm being pulled down by victim consciousness. I'm being pulled down by anger. I'm being pulled down. That, that's what emotional and psychological and spiritual gravity is. So we do spiritual exercise, much like we do physical exercise, yeah. to hone our musculature. You have an emotional body, just like you have a, a physical body. And you can have the healthiest physical body in the world, but if you go into a meeting, a business meeting, or any pers- any relationship, and you bring with you your negativity, your cynicism, your nihilism, your control, people are going to like, I don't want that. Mm, mm. <laughs> it's interesting, t- going back, tying what the lesson was into what you just said, uh, salvation comes from me. It's interesting. My my choice of thinking. Right. And Can every you, moment the Course in Miracles says you're making that choice, it, you make it consciously or you make it unconsciously, but every moment we're making a choice. But And that's power. So starting the day rem- remembering that what you're thinking and your mind state and what you're being drawn to and what you're right. listening to inside. Right. So when you replace it with someone else's worldview, whether it be ads for things to buy, right. that's another thing. It's isn't that salvation? I'll admit that I've, when I was a young man, I'd order an iPad, and I remember vividly going, "I can't die. That iPad is coming." Like, <laughs> like the iPad was going to save me, and uh-huh. so that doesn't work. Well, and you also, outgrew that. And yes, I did outgrow that. But also, the ego, you know, says, "I just saw my name on a marquee last night," and I, I took a moment to go, like, "This isn't it. This won't say." Well, good for you, Peter. Virtue signaling. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, isn't that the point? Like. We think if we're famous, we think if we're rich, we think well, if we're... Well, you know, I talked to a friend of mine the other day, and he was his book, uh, you know, is a big major bestseller, and he said, no, I'm identifying it with it too much. I said, oh, give me a break. Give your chances. You can celebrate for a couple of days. You know... <laughs> we don't want to spiritually bypass it. It, it, it. Also, well, that would even be bypassing something negative is usually when you think of spiritual bypassing, let's not bypass something positive. There is such thing as righteous commerce. There is such thing as righteous uh, celebration. Mm. It's when you take it beyond any level of appropriate uh, perspective that there's a problem. But I think it's cool the first time you see your name on a marquee, you go, cool. Sure. Yeah. This would have been the 500th, so I'm, I'm starting to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't take it too far. Well, it's interesting. It's it's what are we talking about when we talk about salvation? Like, Well, the only thing to be saved from is your own insane thinking. Right. That's the Course in Miracles. The only thing to be saved from is the thought system of fear and separation that dominates this world. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. So if my name on the marquee leads to the thought will I be here next year or will the show sell out? That's not helpful. If I go, I did a show, I did a good job, but I can't, 
it's like Maya Angelou said, you can't pick it up, you can't lay it down, right? I can't live and die by whether or not the show went well, right? Well, the ego will always take you to whatever thought. If you're successful, the ego once says, yeah, but you might not be successful tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, the ego will take whatever the circumstance is and interpret it in such a way as to make you feel bad. Right. Because your pain is the ego's peak experience. And, <laughs> you know, and Freud said... What a great line. Yeah, Freud said that uh, that inter- intelligence will be used in the service of the neurosis. So the mm. ego will just say whatever it is to make you unable to just enjoy the moment. Well, you get the house, Eckhart Tolle says, then you worry about losing the house. And I see this. Well, exactly. The, the thing is, if the Course in Miracles says that the Holy Spirit, your salvation lies in a different sense of purpose. So your different sense of purpose is, um, I am here uh, at this theater to do a comedy show and my hope is that my talents and my expertise will be used in such a way to uplift people and give them some happiness while they're here. So the more you are proactively in the light about it, the darkness cannot enter. Because, and I see this in my career a lot, um, if I, there are people who say wonderful things about me, and there are people who say horrible things about me. Well, if you become attached to one... You just there's a certain level of detachment because one of the things I've seen in my life, people who know me, they know me. She's not that. She's not that. So if you if you try to stay with a positive, I'm only what the Course in Miracles trains us about is I'm only here to be helpful. I'm only here, hopefully, to serve. Then yeah, you're excited if your name's on the marquee and the theater's sold out. But you're also, if you're at a dip in your career and the theater's not sold out, you also realize, well, if there are five people who hear me or one person who hears me and they were served, then my peace lies there. That's the, that's the spaciousness. That's also recognizing that the person next to you on the airplane is the entire universe wrapped in a different package. It's that same sort of stillness that five people in a not sold out theater is still precious. Does that make sense? Yeah, I had a, a drama teacher when I was in high school. And there are quite a few famous actors who were taught by this drama teacher. Um, Brent Spiner, the Quaid brothers, um, Tommy Schlamme, uh, a lot of people who became kind of big in Hollywood. I was the only one in that little group who didn't go into theater. But the training that we got from Mr. Pickett has informed me and my work uh, as much as them, hmm. I believe, because I'm in front of an audience, of et cetera. Course, yeah. And one of the things that Mr. Pickett used to say to us is, if one person is in the audience, if one person is in the audience, you do your best for them. Hmm. And I remember feeling early in my career, um, when I used to, many decades ago, I lived in New York, and I used to go hear cabaret singers. And sometimes there'd be somebody who I didn't think was that great, but the whole room was just going nuts over them. Other times when I think somebody was so wonderful and everybody's talking and laughing Mm, and eating mm. and I'm thinking they don't even realize who's here. And I said to myself, and then this became operative for me in my career, I said, if I'm ever on stage, I want to imagine myself on the back row. Would I be impressed? Yeah. Would I be impressed? And you start... You stop playing for an audience. You play for the value 
of the, the quality of the joke, the value of the word that you just wrote, the value of truth-telling to whatever, in whatever way you might, and mm, other people's mm. opinion becomes less important. Mm. If they're happy with you, that's great. But you know, sometimes when people are unhappy with something you said, sometimes it's because you said the wrong thing, sometimes it's because you said the right thing. Mm. So we have to start developing this concept of like living for the ages, living for something higher than just somebody's immediate opinion. And if you're only doing it for somebody's immediate liking of right, you, that's right. the sales mentality right. that has trapped us all in a pretty dark place. As opposed to something richer and longer lasting. Absolutely. And meaningful. Yeah. There's a part in the course where it says this world does not have deep enough roots to sustain you. Because mm. like you said, and this town is filled with it. And, you know, we've all had our moments there. I mean, I've, I've been through a lot in my life, but a lot that this society says, if only you'll have the house, if only you have the car, if only you have the relationship, if only you have... And a lot of people who have gotten a lot of the things I thought would make them so happy and felt on some deeper level. Oh, yeah. There's got to be more than this. We just talked about, we, we watched a video online of Elon Musk getting a, a million-dollar car, and I was like, you can almost see it in his eyes. Like a little, I'm not saying he's a little baby, I'm just saying in him, a deep baby that's going, it's not working. The million-dollar car is here, and well, it's, clearly, it's four wheels and a, a steering wheel. I mean, clearly, look how much he's posting on Twitter, just trying, like a kid who wants somebody to like him or something. Yeah, that never... I, or it hasn't gone away. Well, we're living in an age where we're seeing the bare truth about billionaires in a way that I think needed to happen. That it doesn't work. I wouldn't say that. It's not for me to say it doesn't work. But we live in a society that made the businessman God. Mm. You know, we have the soulless economic system that exalted the businessman. Um, if you're a successful businessman. <laughs> and we have seen... Um, some things in the last few years. I think we saw it a lot through COVID. Um, I think I myself thought during the worst ravages of COVID that there would be people, whether they were people who manufactured uh, equipment, uh, whether it was people who manufactured vaccines, where it, whether it was people who uh, could have afforded to say, you know, during this period of time, we're just going to throw in however many hundreds of millions to make sure that the uh, that the shelves are not empty in any, uh, you know, a food pantry in the United States. Mm. You really saw during COVID how the system works in such a way that it's really okay if people die. Mm -hmm. That we will not allow anything to impinge on an economic bottom line and mm. short-term profit mm. for huge corporate entities. Mm. Um, I think people get that now. I don't think... You have to be really obtuse now to not recognize that the system does not love you. Right, the right. The system does not love you and the system does not care about you. And it's lying to you. Well, yeah, because it's trying to sell you. It, 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 it's, it's demonic and, un, you know, a system that has no ethics to it. So we've, we've, we've developed a society where we still, at least in name, value personal ethics. But we bought into this lie that capitalism doesn't have to have ethics. When in fact, um, Adam Smith, a you know, primary articulator of free market capitalism, said it cannot exist without outside an ethical context. Hmm. Uh, you have the CEO of Moderna some, uh, the other day saying they're going to make the COVID vaccine, they're going to go up in price 
400 times, mm. 400%. And he said, well, the market will stand it. Right. The market, it's all about the market. Right, right, which is a concept. And, and we've seen that corporations and markets are, are sociopaths, right? I mean, well, like, unfettered markets. I do yeah, think there's unfettered. such a thing as righteous profit. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, there is such a thing as a healthy, righteous, appropriate exchange of energy that involves money. I believe that. Like I said, if the publisher, because I come from a, a, a career where I've seen that. It can be a gentleman's business where everyone wins. Right, Nobody's right. losing from your doing a podcast. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. There is such a thing as, as righteous commerce. No, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. But there's also an unrighteous commerce. And, and unrighteous, when you have these huge corporate behemoths, um, and we, we all know what that has is doing to people's lives. And again, it goes down to this weird, like the phones listening or the uh, designed obsolescence or whatever it is. I feel like in politics, there there's almost an understanding that we're being lied to or it's not going to work, but we'll we'll trade it for the feeling that maybe something's... Like there's a fervor of like, maybe we're going to do it. Maybe we're going to make America great again. And no matter what happens, you just kind of, wee, like people are just going along with it. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're not a monolith. We've got, we're 360 million people. So I don't presume to know what everybody's thinking. I do know this. I worry about the young. I worry about people who don't remember when it wasn't this way. And I'm particularly worried about um, teenagers and children whose prefrontal cortex hasn't even been formed yet. Mm. So um, you and I are old enough to figure some of this out for ourselves. You and I are old enough to say, I just spent an hour scrolling through... Instagram for what freaking reason? <laughs> I learn nothing. It's stupid. I watch. But what is this? Yeah. I'm just addicted. Put down the phone. Yes, we're old enough. It doesn't to, love you. It doesn't it care does, about yeah, you. Yeah, right. And and so you and I are old enough to figure some of that out. And, and I think a lot of people are figuring it. I don't think everybody's just going along. I think people these days are realizing the addictive nature of some of this. How unfettered capitalism, what it's done. I, I think actually we're living in a very powerful moment of awakening, actually, I think. Mm, mm. But younger people who are being trained into it from such an early age, that's where I think there's a lot to worry about. Yeah. I mean, there are so many aspects of that, of what young people are going through now, even like with the school shootings. You think we have a mental health crisis now. We are now raising an entire generation of children going to school every day, hoping they won't get shot. Yeah. That's, that's the definition. Where and to knowing go? that basically we're not doing anything about it. So good luck, kids. Right, right. That's the most... Forget about what we learned in COVID, that it's okay that people are dying. It still seems okay. It's obviously not, but that seems to be the message. Like, we're not going to do anything about it. Yeah, absolute, absolute insanity. Um, let's talk a little bit. We, we were talking before this about happiness. What I'm interested, you know, it's interesting. When we were setting up this interview, I was under the misconception that you were like, a person that was like manifest things, get things, get what you want, get the. I know that's silly. I did my research between then and now, but I'd love to hear you speak about what brings happiness and and you know what might be a nice place to start in a course in miracles. What is the miracle? Because so many people they go a course in miracles. Oh, I'll read this book. It's a book of spells, and I will um, get a beautiful partner, and I'll get millions of dollars because those are miracles. That's what we think miracles are. So I think those answers are tied, right? What is the miracle well, and what is happening? It's the difference in Course in Miracles terms. It's the difference between 
magic and miracles. Mm. So magic is that sort of manifestation thing. Like you, you're basically using God as your errand boy. Uh, I'd like uh, an apartment in Santa Monica at the beach, and I'd like this, these numbers on the money that I make, and I'd like a person who looks and does that. Uh, and you're basically trying to use universal principle to get what you want. Mm. That's not the spiritual mountaintop. Mm-hmm. The spiritual mountaintop is, here are my hands, here are my feet, here's my brain, here's my tongue with which I can speak, a spirit of love use me. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite almost. Right. It is the opposite. Um, there, there's, a, there's a potential arrogance of manifesting is that you know what you need. Well, it's not just an arrogance, it's you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, that's the whole thing in the Course, is that the Holy Spirit is a part of your mind that's gonna know, that knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So you're trying to decide, should I go to Boston or should I move to Atlanta? Mm. So you put down on a piece of paper, what are, the, you know, what are the good things about moving to Boston? What is the downside of moving to Boston? What is the good thing about moving to Atlanta? What is the downside of moving to Atlanta? But you, that's the part of your mind that doesn't know what's going to happen six months from now. Mm. So sometimes you look at the piece of paper and it, 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 you know, the sort of logical conclusion is I should move to Atlanta. But everything in you says, move to Boston, move to Boston. And we don't know mm. that you listen to that voice. And then six months later, something happens. You go, oh, I know I should have gone to Boston. Mm. Mm. So when you meditate, you know, in both Judaism and Christianity, there's this a concept of the small, still voice within. When we were talking before about meditating, be still and know, you become a finely tuned intuitional instrument. Mm. You listen to people. You listen to what the doctor says. You listen to what the lawyer says. You listen to what the accountant says. You listen to what the agent says. You listen to what your friends say. But the ultimate, what does your gut say? Mm. They're going to consult with you about your best options. And when you become prayerful about something, you're going to hear from a part of the brain that knows things that you don't know, knows people you're going to meet, knows how your talents and abilities would best fit in. Uh, there's that wonderful line in Nietzsche, uh, the, the music, what is it? The dancer seems insane to those who cannot hear the music. Yes, yes. Well, if time is an illusion and it's already happened, right. isn't there a part of you that literally does know? Well, I've been thinking about that. That's so interesting <laughs> that you say that because... Oh, well, here I am in your life. <laughs> uh, yeah, really. You showed up. It manifests. Um, yeah, I have actually been thinking about that. Is it actually a future memory? Because the Course in Miracles does say everything's already happened. And time is an illusion. Yeah. yeah t- well, and- even Einstein said, Einstein said time and space are illusions of consciousness, albeit insistent, persistent ones. Persistent ones. ones that's right. Yeah. No, yeah. The only time, the idea in the Course is that the only time that's real is eternity, and the only place where eternity intersects uh, linear time is in the present. Right. The past is only in your mind, the future is only in your mind. So the ego always wants us thinking about the past or the future in order to avoid the present, because the present is where the miracle is, which right. is that shift from fear to love. And past is guilt and future is fear, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, but it's not love yeah. right right so, here and now. one of the lessons in the Course is uh, the past is over, it can touch me not. And I place the future in the hands of God. Mm. Hmm. I, I I love that very much. It's also one of the things that seems to be. I'd love to just get your expertise on this. The course also thinks that if there is a perfect oneness, God's perfect oneness, like heaven, then we're already there. Have you ever meditated on that? I I, I enjoyed well, yeah, the idea. That is, the separation never happened. The atonement has already it's happened. All a hallucination. Not, not a note in heaven song was missed. Yeah. So you and I are in heaven right yeah. now. We're just kind of having a strange dream 
<laughs> well, but the Course in Miracles talks about the highest level of thinking of which the ego is capable. So I, I can get that this is heaven. I mean, I'm at oh, a, oh, this? I, I am at a point in my life when I get there isn't anything else. Right now, I, Marianne, I know where you're supposed to be. Really, where? You're supposed to be sitting with this guy named Pete, who's this comedian who does a podcast. How do you know? Because you are. Right. <laughs> you are. There isn't anything else. Right. right. <laughs> there isn't well, that's anything salvation. else. So yeah. it's all about how do you inhabit the space of where you are, heaven being the awareness of oneness. Right. And salvation comes from me. So you go to, I go to me for that. I'm either blessing you or I'm not. I'm either showing up to the best of my ability or not. Right. But my, the value of this to me will not be based on you. The value of me will be based on whether I show up. And if I show up, it's going to make you want to show up more. Right. But that's on the level of form. Isn't there also something going on that's not on the level of form? But none of that that I just said is the level of form. My showing up in this situation is really not about... It, it's an energy you're feeling from me. Yes. Do you know Oh, what we're I back mean? to AI can't replace us. Yes. Well, you it's know what this. I mean? Yes, it, I do. It's, what's going on here is not just form. Mm. Form, the tongue is being used... But there's a look in our eyes, or, or there's a sense that, yes, I'm really engaged in this conversation. It's really not about form. Mm, mm. I guess you've ca- you helped me realize that I think that there's something that has nothing to do with this that's going on behind this. Or- no, the Course says, the course says, beyond this world, there is a world I want, but it's the same world transformed by sense of purpose. Mm. You extend your perception beyond what your physical senses perceive to what your heart knows to be true, but it's not somewhere else. Mm. Thinking it's somewhere else is no different than thinking it's after we die. No, it's right here. Mm-hmm. But it's just that there's no place where you stop and I start. But right now we're in this mortal experience, and this is cool too. Right. This is interesting. Yes, absolutely. Pardon the interruption, weirdos. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but, you know, most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can actually make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change if it's something you use every day, like my Raycons, my incredible Raycon earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. They're perfect for the gym. They stay in place. They don't short circuit. (laughs) When you get a little sweaty, they last an incredible amount of time. They keep my energy up and keep my gym routine. Let's just say, oh, let's make it 10 minutes longer. All right, the music is carrying me through. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds or low latency gaming earphones, Uh, or headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon has got you covered. And yep, Raycon start at half the price, half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each, a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Get the headphones, get another pair of headphones. Let's be honest, it's nice to have a travel set. It's nice to have one that's your everyday go around in your pocket ones, that's what I do. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make you sh- make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options. They even provide every purchase with a free return guarantee. 
So you can have uh, three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, water and sweat resistance, and eight or 11 hours of playtime depending on the everyday earbuds or the speaker. The earbuds is eight, the speaker is 11. So ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash weirdo today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash weirdo to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash weirdo. All right, everybody, let's get back to Mary Ann Williamson. It's a little dumpier than you're used to, I can tell. I think it could do the one such or something. Yeah, well, the cameras only point this way. (laughs) So they can't see the nightmare that you are uh, beholding. I do think it's interesting, though. Okay, so what we're talking about is, is getting into this a little more, this isn't quite right, but cleanly. And one of the things that I told you is so metal and so acid, like burning about the course, is it's like, let's get real. You are filled with judgment and and hate and grievance and everything is wrong. I I got a flat tire last night and I was just like, how could there be a pothole on a major road that that I I just ran over it, flat tire, and how could roadside service be closed on a Sunday night? Just closed, couldn't do anything, left the car in the parking lot. It, It was a nightmare. So you get really excited about being upset, but then the grievance getting rid of these grievances and and forgiving. Can we talk a little bit about that? Well, The Course in Miracles says there is a highly individualized curriculum for every person. So the Course would say that was the perfect lesson for you in that moment. Because every, every situation both invites us to be better and challenges us to go back into our ego default. So the ego default is, God damn it, why is there a pothole in yeah, the major city? Yeah, yeah. LA is falling apart, and they don't yeah. even have a blah, It was blah, Santa blah. Barbara. Huh? Oh, Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. More interesting. I, I, I said to Val, I was like, don't they pay their taxes in Santa Barbara? Barbara. Like, yeah. But it's the it rain. I realized today that the rain is making the potholes. Okay, so the course would say that you would go, oh, this is perfect. This is perfect for me to see my upset. That's right. About even little things. Okay, perfect universe, if you're so universe, if you're so perfect, fix this. So the Course in Miracles says only infinite patience produces immediate results. So say, okay, so my car is not available. What's the... And then you are able to settle into that moment without the craziness. Now, Mm. I don't say that like I can do that 24-7. Right. But I'm at a point where I would know, oh, this is an interesting um, challenge. This happened to... Uh, you're not quite Miss uh, Calm and Serene now, are you, Miss? Right, that's right. Well, there is a humility to it. And, oh, it and totally I, makes us, yeah. keeps us humble to go, wow, I became a bitch very quickly when that was... Right, started. right. Well, to quote our hat over there, Richard Rohr says, the first forgiveness in, in is to reality. You have to forgive reality. Oh, and I, I find that very valuable. It's another way of saying the great way is easy for those who have no preferences. Uh, you go like, oh, sure, I have a flat tire, but... You know, I make my bed in the depths and you are there. I make my bed in the heavens, you are there. I, I have a flat tire and you are there. Nothing. There is no spot where God is not. That's right. And nothing real changed. Something literally in, in the manifest world and changed. So you don't know. So you're going to have, uh, at some point, the AAA driver is going to come. And uh, how are you going to play that? And what what possible gift is there going to be from your waiting 
you know, you don't know. We and did. We already, we, somebody pulled over and offered to help yeah. us, which was very sweet. Oh, the car that I drive doesn't have a, a spare tire in it. So that was the problem. So I was like, great. This so, guy's offering uh, so to help look us. Look at all the richness of that, which was learned and so forth. Totally. Absolutely. I do want to talk a little bit about the way that course, the, the course looks at forgiveness because an intellectual forgiveness where I even acknowledge, oh, oh, Marianne, l- let's say you ran into my car when you parked, which you didn't, but you did that. I I was always raised with like an intellectual forgiveness, which is, it's okay, I've done things like that, maybe she's having a bad, like I rationalize why it's okay to forgive you, as opposed to just, like the Course says, I'm forgiving my sister for doing something she didn't even do, like it didn't even really So the Course happen. in Miracles talks, the, the traditional forgiveness is, you were a jerk just now, but... I'm very spiritual. Yeah. So I will deign to forgive you. So the Course points out that that's judgment. Yes. That's called forgiveness to destroy. So what the Course in Miracles says is, let's say you were unloving to me. Let's say you were rude to me. You were mean to me. Um, The Course says, if you were rude to me, if you were mean to me, then in that something happened, there was something about my behavior, something about the situation, triggered some place in you where you don't know how to be loving and get your needs met. Okay, so in that moment, it's like wires got crossed in your brain, you fell asleep to who you are. Only love is real. So if you behaved unlovingly, the Course of Miracles says, you're in a hallucination, you've fallen asleep to who you are. Now, I have a choice whether or not to go to sleep with you in that. Mm. If I then base my perception of you on that mean look in your face and those mean words, then I am falling asleep into the dream with you. My job, the primary work of uh, responsibility of the miracle worker, it says, is to uh, accept the atonement for himself. So I can choose to remain awake, to extend my perception beyond what your physical, my physical senses just saw, to know, dear God, I know he's a loving person. I'm willing to see this differently. That's the word in the course. It's a big deal. Willingness, willingness. Your good intentions are not enough. It says your willingness is everything. Dear God, I'm willing to know he's a very nice man, and I... I am willing to see this different. But what if I'm not a nice man? Because I'm well, maybe I'm you, not. you might want to be a nice man, but you're still an innocent soul. So I am willing to see this differently, and I'm willing to interpret all behavior as either love or a call for love. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's when it gets really interesting, because at that point, my main responsibility is to find that sweet neutral spot within myself where I realize you're an innocent child of God. Then and only then will I know whether I'm supposed to take this shit or leave the room. Mm. Mm. Right? (laughs) So then, once I'm in that sweet spot, I'll know, first of all, it might be an awakening for you, because subconsciously you'll feel my blessing, and I might actually see you begin to change, which is really amazing when that happens. Mm. Or it might be something where it continues in such a way, and the spirit in me with all love knows I'm not supposed to stay in this room for this. It would not serve him for him to think I'd be available for this. Mm. And it would not, and it would be um, respect for myself to leave. But even then, it would be a stylish, a kind, a, you know, I think I'm going to leave here now. (laughs) A high quality no. Mm-hmm. Like a rich, because deep one. love sometimes says no. Yeah. But until I get to that point of forgiveness for you, I don't have the clarity. Mm. The one of the lines that I love is "God is the love in which I forgive." And God is the love in which I think. God is the mind which I think. I mean that yes. that whole series there. Yeah. God is love because it's not your human mind. Meaning, it I takes can't you do to it. Some other place. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is sometimes Pete can't forgive. Sometimes it's too hard. But Pete 
can be willing to surrender it into the love well, of God, a greater love. Well, for those who buy into the Jesus part of the Course, you know, the Course is not about, you know, he says, you do not have to believe in me, but if you do, there's that much more. The idea of the Savior, you were talking about salvation before. It says there would be no Savior if there were no need for one. So the idea on the Course is, okay, maybe Pete was a little mean to me, it's not a huge deal. But let's say me, Pete was, let's make this not Pete. Let's say somebody <laughs> did something really horrible to sure. me. And it is more than I can forgive by myself. Mm. He says in the Course, my mind joined with your mind can shine away the ego. Right. That's when you say, I, 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 I need help here. This is, this is a bigger trigger. This is not a matter of a friend just saying, oh, lighten up. I need some real help here. Right. And, amazing things do happen. Because even though the, the Course is very hardcore non-dual, it speaks in dualistic language and says, take my hand, I'll walk you through this. I'll, I'll dissolve, like, like the salvation comes from me. It's powerful for me when my I do thought. that. It's me and it's my mind, which means it's not even the Course in Miracles. I, I, I picture all my teachers. I picture Ramdas. It's very interesting. I picture Jesus. I picture my concept of God. And I go, it's, it's, it's in here. It's that, that's the concept of the Holy Spirit in the, the internal teacher, the internal teacher, the memory of perfect oneness. <laughs> right. And he says, um, if you're confused and you're having trouble with any of this, imagine yourself as a small child, put out your hand and I am an elder brother. I will take your hand. And then he says, this is no idle fantasy. That's right. I just did that one. That's the one where it's the circle of light and you have to move the clouds aside. Mm -hmm. And what I think is and so... And the clouds, you just, it's just hot air. That's right. That's right. And you, I assure you... You, you think that, ooh, it's a bank of clouds. You just move right through it. It's just, a, just hot air. That's all your ego is. Yes. Can I compliment you and say, I thought you were beautiful and wonderful, meaning your behavior is beautiful. I mean... In the uh, in the debates oh, and everything you. that you've done politically, and I got thank very you. excited for you. Thank you. The one question I was like, as a course person, I was almost projecting into the future where it was maybe if you run again. I it's not that I worry. I go, what if someone were to say, you know, in a fiercely non dual way, doesn't God not know about this world? If God is perfect oneness, <clears throat> acknowledging this reality would be making the illusion real. Yeah, and the course is very clear about bringing the darkness to the light. Don't drag the light into the darkness. I'm just wondering. That's right. He says the teacher, the teachers of God are sent into the darkness of the world. That would be like a doctor saying, "Ooh, that gash on your hand. Ooh, that's toxic. That's gross. Let's look at your knee. Mm. You you have to look at the wounds. The Course in Miracles says, look at the crucifixion, but do not dwell on it. Mm. There are a lot of people today who want to skip the crucifixion and go right to the resurrection. Mm. This kind of kumbaya thing, which is not transcendence, it's denial. Mm. Or Jews who want to go right to the delivery to the promised land, but yeah, but there was that slavery in Egypt thing happened first. <laughs> uh, Buddha became enlightened after he left his father's house and saw human suffering for the first time. There's no serious spiritual path, including the course, that gives anyone a pass around on on addressing the suffering of other sentient beings. Mm -hmm. So the Course in Miracles does say that the plan for the teachers of God which means anyone who chooses to be one, all religions and no religion, are people just say, use me. And you are sent to whatever area of darkness. Like you said, you have to bring the darkness to the light. Um, and, then, and then it comes up and you are to be the alternative. To leave politics out of that seems kind of ridiculous to me. Uh, Gandhi said, is not politics a part of Dharma too? Mm -hmm. Gandhi also said, anyone who doesn't uh, think religion has anything to do with politics 
doesn't understand religion. Mm-hmm. And he also said politics should be sacred. Politics is simply our collective decision-making. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I feel, if, if, you, if we're a bunch of Americans just talking, anybody in this room, we go as deep and get as real as anybody does anywhere in the world. But in our public conversation, we keep to a level of superficiality, um, grandiosity, denial, that's um, kind of horrifying. And a lot of people disrespect us for it. Yeah. But it's particularly dangerous right now. We, politics should be, and, and for the same, this happens for the same reason that you and I talked about earlier. There are forces whose power is maintained and perpetuated by you and me acting like a bunch of seventh graders when it comes to political issues. Mm. We're talking about the survivability of the planet here. We're talking about the survivability of our grandchildren. We're talking about suffering of millions and millions of people. Um, we don't get to take a pass on this and, and call it, um, uh, oh, it's, it's an illusion anyway. Um, the Course in Miracles says it's an illusion. Forgiveness is an illusion, but they are illusions that lead you beyond the illusion. Mm. We're to go to the highest level of thinking of which the ego is capable. Mm. So I think people who have an understanding of spiritual and psychological issues are the last people who should be sitting out the great... I mean, who have an understanding of, of personal growth and personal change are the last people who should be sitting out the political and economic issues. Because if you have an idea of what changes one person, you're the one who has an idea of what would change mm. a system and what would change a country. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I completely agree with all of that. It, in the debate situation, though, if somebody said, like when I got my flat tire last night, mm-hmm. I was like, this is interesting. This is the first... Um, situational, like physical, this is a situation where people ask God for help, right? Mm. Classic. And I was like, that's interesting because I've been studying the course for seven, well, longer than 70 days, but I've been doing the workbook for 70 days. And I was like, my interpretation seems to be that God doesn't know about this world. This is, there is perfect oneness. The course would say God doesn't, but the Holy Spirit does. Yes. Okay. Let's go with that. I love yeah, that. Well, God, it's not happening, like you said. It's only right. happening in a hallucination. Right. In Maya, but in the a dream. moment, but God has answered every problem the moment the problem occurred. So as soon as this hallucination was born, this thought of separation, which then manifests the body and all the physical evidence of separation. The guilt of the separation. In that is moment, God yes. placed within our minds, yes. and once God places it there, it's an eternal creation called in the Course and in other Christ-centered philosophy, the Holy Spirit. In the Urantia book, it's called the Thought Adjuster. Mm. The Shekinah. All the great religious systems have their word for it. And it it's like sit. it stands on the fence. It sees you in your reality, which is how God knows you, and it also sees you within this dream and has been authorized by God to enter into the dream with you mm. and help you transform the dream. Remember reality. when Helen asked for uh, Helen Chickman, who scribed the course, she asked for help, and Jesus said, "I forget where this is in the text, but he says, don't ask for help with this problem. Ask for help changing your mind." Well, your, how pro- you your greatest power to change the world is to gra- change your mind about the world. For instance, if I have a flat tire, mm. <laughs> I'm not I'm not an advanced enough student of these things that I would not get crazy around it. Mm. But I'm advanced enough that I would say, this isn't about the flat tire. It's about how crazy you feel right now. Mm-hmm. This is about the fact that you, you, you think, you know, that this is so insane. Everything can work out. You can call the people who you're supposed to meet for lunch. Someone can come. You go to the place of peace first. Mm. 
And once again, just the willingness to say, dear God, I, I just give this to you. I, I, I just give this to you. Right. I heard, again, I, I don't know how you, how do you feel about Ken Wapnick? Are you, do you enjoy him? Yeah, I knew Ken. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Ken Wapnick, for those listening, was one of the friends of Helen, and he was one of the early teachers of it, and somebody I've listened to quite a bit. And I, I heard him say that it's like we're watching a puppet show, and we keep asking God to intervene with the happenings in the puppet show. Yeah, that's right. And or it's like watching saying, a movie and thinking that you can uh, change the plot by manipulating the screen. Right. It's all in your mind. So the Holy Spirit will not... The Course in Miracles says the law of cause and effect was designed for your protection. God, once God has created a law, he himself will not violate it. And so you can't hold to your thoughts that created a negative effect and ask God to change the effect. Mm. To say, God, save me in this situation means save me from my thinking that is producing that effect. Right, 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 right. The issue in life is not what just happened, but who do I choose to be in the space of what happened? And what's interesting about a flat tire, and I'd love to, obviously everything I say, I'm just saying to get your thoughts on it. It's like, it is the pain of separation. It is sort of the pain of guilt, meaning something broke. And I feel deep down in my mind, in like my insane mind, that I broke. I broke away from God and I'm guilty for that. Are you tracking with me? Mm. So when something breaks in this world, it's almost like, I, I well, want it to be wrong. I want the road to be wrong. I want the car to be wrong because no, I don't want to be wrong. The universe works like a GPS. The moment a wrong turn is taken, the GPS immediately recalibrates your your path. So God is the answer to every problem the moment a problem occurs. The moment the the problem occurred, it's already it's already factored into the the machinery of it all mm. that this is going to be handled. You're getting all crazy about it is going to make it more difficult. Mm. Get peaceful about it. Get calm, get quiet. Oh, I have AAA. I know who to call. Get peaceful, and you'll know exactly what to do. And this will have been a great lesson in handling the issues of life because they do occur. Hmm. It's interesting. I keep, I keep, what I keep getting from the course is like, it, they're going to occur. They're always going to occur. The world is always going to be crazy. No. The answer isn't fixing the world. Uh, well, but wait a minute. Because theoretically, if you get to the point where you don't need that lesson, you might not have to, you might go around that pothole. But I'd still be the, a the beautiful painting a... that's fading, though, and cracking. Like, this is a place where starved and thirsty yeah, creatures in, come in to die. In our lifetime, all the problems will not be over. Um, the issue is, will you be here to help heal them? And also, I think for myself, there's also something about, first of all, I found 90% of the time in my life, the best advice I can give myself is get over yourself. Hmm. This is so inconsequential to the larger things that are happening in this world. Uh, turn, uh, look at what's happening in Iran. Look at what's happening in Afghanistan. Look at what's happening. Get over yourself. Hmm. And it does help you have a greater uh, willingness to be a person who can handle, who can sweat the, don't sweat the small stuff. Mm. And it's all small stuff? It's all small. Well, <laughs> well no, except stuff. the big stuff. No, except but for there's the big, big stuff. stuff. Yeah. And if I'm sweating the small stuff, I'm not showing up. For but the isn't big that stuff. a hierarchy of illusions? Isn't that? Yeah, that is a hierarchy of illusions, but there is a hierarchy of illusions. The Course in Miracles talks about the Course is an illusion that leads beyond illusion. 
I mean, there's a level on which you and me being here is an illusion, but that doesn't mean it doesn't matter Hmm. because your love is here. That's not what my physical senses see. Your desire to do something with your life that matters is here. So it's not like there's no reality here. My desire to show up for life in a way that's meaningful is here. So to say the illusion is the couch and the body, but what we're really trying to be to increase our value is real. Mm. Isn't God created me helpful, mm. right? So it's not like God's not here. It's just that the God that's here is not what we perceive with our physical senses. But reality is here. Mm. Ultimate reality is here. It's just beyond the screen of 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 the the physical that we see. But we can feel it. Mm. Mm-hmm. There isn't anything more than that. It's human beings. And get in touch with that. Yeah, and you get in touch with it by blessing the other. Mm. And and just trying to be your best in a situation. Mm. What are some of those mantras you carry with you? Because you seem well, like a person. Well, I'm like you. I, you know, to me, it's about it's about um, uh, it's about that Course in Miracles lesson in the morning. Uh, mm. A meaningless world engenders fear. Is is mine? Oh, that's the one that puts me back to sleep when I wake up at three a.m. Mm-hmm. I go, of course, you're afraid. Right? Because you, you, you're, you're seeing a meaningless world. All this yeah. is real. Yeah. So I, I have a different nervous system on a day when I did my exercise in the morning. There's no doubt about it. I completely agree with you, yeah. I, I try not to make it a ritual or like a like an idol or something, but I do love it. And if I miss it, I'm yeah. like, what's wrong? What's yeah. wrong today? How many times have you gone through the workbook? Do you just perpetually Well, I started do it? reading The Course in Miracles when I was in my mid-20s, and I'm 70 now. Wow. So... That's yeah. incredible, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to show you. Yeah, but you're you're kind of killing it. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're thank doing you. a great job. So you, you, killing it before it killed me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you've gone through it because I'm just curious as a student. I'm like, oh, I I feel like when I do this, I'm going to want to do it again. This is your first time. This is my first time. Yeah, it's not like you graduate into enlightened mastery, you know, after doing it once. But you you, you certainly sound like someone who's really. Uh, you know, under, understanding the principles, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But it's like going to the gym. You never get to the point where you don't have to go anymore. Yeah. You never right. get to say, okay, well, I love how I look now. I don't have to do it anymore. I mean, right. it's maintenance. It's, you right. Know. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. What, I, it's interesting. Sometimes I read the course and it sounds like you'll get to a place and the universe will disappear. Have you ever well, gotten that the, sense? Well, technically, that's what would happen. The Course in Miracles says, if you really get this, there's no need to be here any longer. But anytime somebody said to me, and I'm really worried about this because the Course says if I really learn all this, there's no need for me to be here anymore. And you'll vanish. And I've always thought, don't worry, you're not that close. <laughs> uh, sometimes I think about myself, you know, you really should be more advanced by now. But I, I understand the ways that I am and I understand the ways that I'm not. And yeah. um, But you know that feeling. I mean, I'm sure you've had deep meditation where you're like, it's almost like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Here I am, I grew up fundamentalist Christian, and now I'm like, am I going to be raptured? It's not even raptured. Are we all going to be raptured? Is the whole thing going to pop? But then I'm like, what do we do with stories of the historical Jesus or other enlightened people, whoever it might be? Um, you know, people are waking up and staying here, it seems. I don't understand what the question is. I'm saying, <clears throat> if I wake up, we all wake up. We wake, you know, when I was a child, we had these little Atta Pearl necklaces. And there was a holiday or... You get another pearl? Another pearl. My mom tried to do that so with the, my daughter. Uh, so yeah. the Course in Miracles <laughs> talks about the holy instant. In some instance, we are, do you have children? Yeah, four-year-old. So, the, a four-year-old. I know, she's great. So the moment you first held her, you knew bliss. Yeah. First, when you first fell in love with your wife, 
you knew bliss. We've all had those moments. Mm -hmm. And then it's about those moments of peace getting to the point where they become more the exception than the rule. Mm. And you get to a place, or at least the goal is to get to a place where it doesn't have to be the utter magnificence of holding my child for the first time or falling in love for the first time if there can be just a deep peace with what is. As mm. you develop, you know, you, you were talking before about my salvation comes from me. You develop a kind of namaste consciousness. So if you go into a room and you go into, let's say, a crowded place, I, I notice this with airports all the time because I'm in airports a lot, okay? And I realized you can look around and just say silently, the love in me salutes the love in you. The love in me salutes the love in you. You can either put these blinders on, all these people, I have to get to the plane, or you can go, mm. I can bless that person, and I can bless that person, and I can bless that person, I can bless that person, and it's going to change the tenor of my experience. <laughs> That's beautiful. As somebody who spent four hours in the Seattle airport yesterday, mm -hmm. yeah. I totally know what you mean. Yeah, and you start wondering, like, and then you start looking at people differently. I wonder where they came from. I wonder where they're going. I wonder what they're going through. And you're saying those pearls start to string together so it's almost like they're rehearsals. The union I felt when I felt my held my daughter, or fell in love with my wife, or or get into a nice flow with you. These are little wake up reminders, and then you can get to a place where you extend that experience. Well, they're the they're the holy instance. Mm. But only your ego would say, "Well, if I do this enough, I'll get." No, this is it. Right, right. This I is guess it. And I think ch early childhood, particularly. Um, four-year-old. I mean, that's my favorite. That's yeah, totally my favorite. I could rent a four-year-old every year. Yeah. Uh, something's over at five. <laughs> well. You know? You you and your wife, are you... Are you no, no, okay. this, is, this is... You and your wife friends. are the everything. Mm. Once she goes to school, it's you'll stop being everything. You'll be the main thing for a lot longer. To miss the magic of early childhood, mm. I think is one of the saddest... The magic of it. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. It's just the magic of a four-year-old. Yes. So that's what I think sometimes we miss when we're young. We don't get, this is it. You know, every woman you get older and you, you look at pictures of when you were young, and I've talked to so many women like that, you look at a picture of yourself when you were 30 and you go, I thought that was inadequate. Mm. I mean, we, we yeah. live, you, you live your life, the ego going, What's going to happen in the future? What's going to happen in the future? Will I get there, even spiritually? Will I get to a moment? No, how about just this moment? Right. This is it. No, you're right on. It's beautiful. I'm not surprised. But there is, a, I, I suppose it's coming from an ego level where I'm like, the idea that this is all our collective dream, there's only one mind having this dream. So the idea, and we, we agreed that there are parts of the course that seem to imply that this could be over in an instant. I'm pretty sure that's that's a quote. It's This could be over. If like you... You could walk into the light so easily. Why do you keep playing in the shadows? So it's this idea that like enlightenment would be enlightenment for everybody, I guess. And I, we're just playing in different levels, I suppose. But the idea that there are enlightened masters, what are we doing here? If, if anybody woke up, wouldn't we have all woken up? Well, what The Course in Miracles says is because there are those who have woken up, the option is available to us. Mm. They're here to show us the way. Mm -hmm. Have you had experience? Do you know anybody that you feel like was enlightened or ever studied at a it's great interesting master? interesting you say that. You know what? The one person I know who I feel in his presence, like he's there. Pete Holmes? Eckhart. Oh, Eckhart. Mm -hmm. I do feel that way around Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. 
that's really nice to hear because I've gone, mm-hmm. I saw him and Ryan Beck at the Omega Institute mm-hmm. and it was really special. Yeah. And meaningful. Yeah, he's so sweet. And as a, there's a page in, in Be Here Now that is really meaningful to me. It's like the power of knowing that other people, it happened for other people, can really give you this this hope. And so if you were like... Yeah, but we already had Jesus and Buddha and Moses. I mean, why do you... I, mean, I didn't see any of them in Rhinebeck. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got to sit in the third row and, you know, not yeah. that... Phys- but it, physical proximity, to go to go back to your point, it does matter. I was there it, and, I, and I felt it. So if you told me you worked with him and he's smoking cigarettes and flicking them at, at pigeons and stuff, that would be a real loss no. for the world. I feel when I'm with him, like, I think he's there. Wow. Yeah, it's really beautiful. You know, I, I meant to tell you at the beginning, one of the first things I did when I found the course and before I started reading it, I emailed a close friend of Ramdas and I was like, was Ramdas into the course? And they told me that he was really into it briefly. Like, I don't I know if he... I think at the end he would have been, when I think of the Ramdas that he was post-stroke, I w- I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah. That's what the quote was. He got really into it for a while and then when he, they were writing the book... Walking Each Other Home, the book about death and dying. They quote a course, and I was like, that seemed like a, a wink or something. And she said, well, this is um, Mirabai uh, Bush. She said that was her idea, but he was very happy to put the quote in there. He seemed really lit up. The Course in Miracles says, has that beautiful part about what death will be when we're in that enlightened place. It's mm. just taking off a suit of clothes. Mm. Um, it says, physical birth is not the beginning of your life, but a continuation of your life. Physical death is not an end of your life, but a continuation of your life. Mm. Um, when Jesus said death will be the last enemy, he meant it's the last thing you'll see, think of as an enemy. Mm. Um, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And Ram Dass used to say, but he, he was quoting, that death is like taking off a tight shoe, which is something well, yeah, I was that was Yeah, uh, there was a book. Emmanuel. Yeah. He said that. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's what I was going to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said, birth is hard. He said, birth is hard. Death <laughs> is easy. It's like taking off a tight shoe. It's interesting, though. In, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the Course isn't saying... There's something about like thinking death solves anything is an illusion or like... Well, I think that's... I don't know about a line in the Course, but specifically mm, about that I don't I don't know. Nothing I remember. But definitely makes you realize that if you leave this planet... Like considering suicide, you're not going to get out of anything. Right, right. That was a specific thing I heard Ken give a talk about. It's like that. It's not like death is the answer. Mm-hmm. It's something that we do here with our minds mm-hmm. that matters. Mm-hmm. And and when you think and there is no death, right, is what the course says. That's an illusion too. Death itself is the illusion. And speaking of illusions, do you think it's possible that the illusion regurgitates? Are you a, a reincarnation person? Well, the Course in Miracles says the value of believing reincarnation is that it reminds you that it's more. There's more going on than than right here. Mm. But the negative is if you if it makes you think so much about the past. I remember reading in a Richard Bach book, it really became clear why are you asking your past life, your future life would know more than your past life. Your past life you didn't know as much as you know now. Mm. Um I if there is no time. Oh, that's really interesting. We're really, so fascinated with so asking Cleopatra. Your, yeah, yeah. So what what, what, what did Marianne know before? You know. Yeah, talk to a future yeah. life. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what one of Richard Bach's books is about. But hmm. I think if there is no time, all our lives are happening at once. Like you and I were talking earlier and you were saying, well, is it possible that imagining something in the future is actually remembering something in yes. the future? Which um, is, yeah. The movie Arrival plays with that. I don't know if you saw I didn't Arrival. I see that one. 
it's it's not a spoiler, but it talks about time being circular, and it kind of plays with that. I think you would really like it. But it's also, do you know Rupert Spira? Rupert. He's a he's a Vedanta teacher. He teaches Mm-mm. brilliantly and beautifully. Very simple stuff mm-hmm. about um, the mind and mm-hmm. all this. It's, you'd love him. Um, but he talks about your birth and your death are happening simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all happening. Time itself is the illusion. Yeah. It's all this moment. It, which is kind of a grace, don't you see? Like, I sometimes, if you think of all of time and space and everything that's ever happened as a giant marble, and we get to, like, carve through that marble slowly, you know, like a drill, that's kind of a gift. It would be too overwhelming if it's, you know what I mean? Well, like, there's a grace Lucas to says, it. Um, Time and space are learning devices. That's what I mean. They feel it feels like a gift that we can slowly. That's what it. So if I'm nice to you, like do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Why? Because they will. Why? Because in this moment, whatever you're doing is coming back at you. But time is a learning device. You're, it's going to take some time before you get that back and see what you just did. It actually happened the mm. moment you did it. Mm. So if I if I say something really mean to you. Either you're going to say something mean back or you're going to be too enlightened to go there. But the Course says, even if you don't, I'll feel like you did. I'm Mm. doing it to myself in that moment. Time, I'll play out in time the experience of what just happened. But Mm. actually happened in the moment I did it. Mm. Mm. The Course says, if you're thinking a judgmental thought towards someone, imagine that a sword is falling over their head, but actually it's only falling on yours. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So when I saw Eckhart in Rhinebeck, the one question I wanted to ask seems to have been answered by the course. Because it was sometimes when Val, that's my wife and I are leaving a party, we love talking shit. Like that was just something that we've always enjoyed doing. And the course seems to really be like, if I go like, oh, did you did you see Marianne like sh- her shoes or something? And like I get this charge out of it, and even if Val and I feel closer because we're bonding over your yeah. shoes, silly example, those are great shoes. But like if we do that, <laughs> those are your whatever whatever shoes, Dan Levy. Uh, but the idea that talking shit, even though it's pleasant, or gossiping, actually is a lot more hurtful because if I'm making you guilty, I can't be innocent. Like when I when I something I try to do is I go, Marianne is innocent. You know what I mean? Even if it's tempting to make fun or whatever, I'm actually declaring my own innocence. Does that make sense? If I'm willing to see the beauty in you, I can see the beauty in myself. Right. If I'm attacking you or judging you, then I'm going to be attacking and judging myself. It's That's all. You mm. can still have fun with people and say, you saw that green jacket didn't matter. <laughs> you realize that did not matter right that's interesting so you don't have to pretend like you didn't see it well you don't want to become some silly goody goody you know right interesting well i love that answer do you have an eckhart story just for a selfish boy that would love like having lunch with him what's it like having hang out with an enlightened person i i respect him a lot and i um I just think he's someone that we all love and respect. I don't think he'd be I mean, he'd be the first person to say, let's not make me an idol here. Right. You know, it's like, I don't think that's what the course... I guess I'm just looking for, you know, I didn't come to learn from my master, but watch him tie his shoes, Pardon? you know, that sort of thing. That the expression, I didn't come to learn from my master, I came to watch him tie his shoes. So one of the things, like I, we've been trying to have Eckhart on the podcast for many years, and I'm still hopeful that it'll happen. And I don't really want to ask him about like how the body is a gateway to the now. It, it's more about sharing a moment, seeing him tie his shoes. 
So if you've had a meal with them, I'm just, I guess I wasn't looking for dirt or dish as much as is it like, is there a peacefulness to just hang out with someone yes. who's really drinking their iced tea? Yes, I think in the space of that piece, I think I, I the times I've been with them, I think maybe I felt a little nervous or that I wanted to get it right or... Mm. Uh, Yes, he doesn't. He's a very humble man, so he, there's nothing grandiose going on there. Yeah, you know, as you know, you saw him. Yeah. You know, the Course in Miracles talks about the difference between grandiosity and grandeur, mm. and littleness and magnitude. I mean, he's very humble. I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why I think he's the real thing. Father Greg Boyle, if you're humble, you're no, you will never stumble. I don't think he made it up, but that's <laughs> something he did. The do you know him? He's truly Who? wonderful. Father Greg Boyle, no, Homeboy Industries tattoos oh, on the heart. Oh, yeah, of course I know who he is. Yes, it, it's beautiful. I mean... Yeah, I know who he is. I'm not here to throw around who's enlightened or not, but that man is truly a saint to me. All right, let me just look at my notes because I want to get... We're so cold. I got to fix this heater, apparently. Um, but this has been a nice, uh, a wonderful chat. And Thank I think you. we really covered everything, Marianne. So much. You, you, I, I'm. I was just so pleased. I listened to you on on Oprah's pod, and I was like, Thank you. "You're such a great talker." Thank you. And this was a day off for me. I was like, "I, Thank I, I can you. just ask anything." Thank you. And I'm really hopeful. I, 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 I this isn't the pod to announce it, but like, I, if you run again, I, I'd be very excited. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. We'll keep your eyes open. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's we're overdue. Thank you. So, and Thank you. watching you as a performer, knowing what it's like to be in hostile situations and watching you be so solid was really Thank inspiring. You. I really, really appreciate that. It's um quite a force field to pierce. Of course. But it's it's noble that that you're going for Thank it. Thank you. The last couple questions we ask it's so funny. So so many of them seem silly. Have you ever seen a ghost, a UFO? Um, no. <laughs> I uh <laughs> I remember once seeing something that I thought was a UFO and I got so scared and I was really laughing at myself because I'd been saying how excited I would be if I saw one and then when I actually thought I saw one, you I were got terrified? so scared. What was it? I think a helicopter or something. Right. Somebody told me like whenever that SpaceX, the satellite ring, like every time they're doing something all around the country, millions of, not millions, but thousands of people are saying, I saw a UFO. It turns out it's just Elon Musk putting a I, I ring a of Saturn. Once. I talked to a man who saw a UFO off Fire Island. There have been a lot of sightings. And he was very traumatized by the experience. Really? He, he saw something really serious. And yeah, I serious, remember the like man many menacing? years ago. Huh? Like menacing or just overwhelming? Overwhelming. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was many years ago. It was someone I don't still know, but I remember hearing the story. and like He was very affected by like it. Like it came close to him? or No, it was something he saw in the sky. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was it? Some it was like a wall or something. I can't remember the specifics, but it. But it wasn't. It, it a weather scared balloon. him a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, isn't that funny? The ghost too. It's like it would be so interesting to know something else is going on, but it would probably also be very frightening. I was reading about the ghost of Lincoln in in the White House. Um, is that a thing? Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, well, there have been sightings. Four more years. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. You can have it. <laughs> Look, you'll get um, more mileage out know, of that. No, seriously, I read this. Um, where Lady Bird Johnson uh -huh. said she was watching television. She was watching in the White House. She was watching a um, um, show about him. Uh -huh. And she said, I felt him over my standing there. Whoa. And then there was a story about um, many years ago, I think the queen of the then queen of the Netherlands 
was in the queen's bedroom and the door opened. She heard a knock and then she saw him and she fainted. Hmm. So what, what, what was happening on some other level? Um, I mean, there are, I, 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 there were, I remember once it was a house that I always passed and loved it. And there was coming a time where I was wanting to move and I had a price in my mind of what I was able to pay. Mm. And I looked on the internet or whatever and the house that I had always passed and loved was the price I could pay. Wow. And that was the asking price. So I could probably get it less, right? Wow, wow, I was wow. so excited. And I called a real estate agent. I said, I want this house. I want this house. This is so exciting. I'm buying that house. I always pass that house. So, well, let's go look at it. This was in the middle of the day. Hmm. And um, she was talking to the other agent. And I said, well, I'm going to go look around. And I went into the dining room and I felt kind of cold. And then I went upstairs. It's the middle of the day. I got so scared, and I ran down. I said, we got to leave, we got to leave. She said, well, I knew you needed to see the house. She said, in 1910 or something, when it was built, they had a big party, and the, there were um, uh, there was botulism in the olives, huh. and several people died, including children who lived at the house. Oh, boy. Yeah. So you just got overwhelmed with fear. Yeah, it was like a cold and... And scare us. I got to get out of here. Wow. And the realtor wasn't surprised. They were like, yeah. yeah. She said, I, I knew we needed to come see the house. Whoa. Uh -huh. That's incredible and terrifying. What a crazy story. Well, energy. And I mean, I think they need to do prayers in that house and staging yeah. and everything else. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. How about this? Have you ever almost died? Like a near death experience? Yeah. No, I've had an experience where um, I was uh, um, on Columbus Avenue in New York with my boyfriend and a car it was one of those things where somebody in a car is drunk or stoned or like completely mm. and mm. the car comes up on the driveway and he just he saw it and he just he just took me and he pulled me back and the car went like that so if he hadn't been standing there that happened to me in times square too yeah, yeah. except i was drunk this is i don't drink anymore a long well, time ago somebody pulled me out well, his name was tim i think Crazy, 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 crazy. Let me ask you, an this is an interesting question. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever done a hallucinogen. I'm wondering if you think a, a president, presidential candidate, if we're at the place yet where if you had, you could say that you did. Look when I was born. <laughs> uh, no. But do you think we're at a place where I mean, you could just kind of like... Have you not read my books? Clearly not. <laughs> not all of them, no. I mean, so do you think that's... Well, yes, seeing what's happening with the third wave of yeah, psychedelics. I think the conversation is actually very healthy, what's going on in the society today mm. around that. Mm. And of course, the legalization of marijuana I mean, is just absurd. And Portland, uh, psilocybin. And pardon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's very healthy what's happening. Yeah. And helpful, potentially? Uh, potentially, absolutely. I mean, that's proven now. I mean, we see what's happening with a lot of the veterans who are coming home. Right. Uh, I mean, I... Yes, I think that's far more positive Where than did some you just of the ways people are so Where addicted. were you Pardon? just then? <laughs> what? You just went to a beautiful place. I'm like, what were you about to tell us? Well, I, you know, we are. it's nothing new to suggest that Americans are medically overprescribed. Yes. And so I do think uh, a righteous and appropriate, and now can be in so many cases legal use mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. those things can be 
a great aid uh, in fighting depression and anxiety. Yeah. But the greatest uh, fighting of or elimination of depression and anxiety will be when we awaken and develop a society in which it's just so much easier to feel the love. Mm, completely agree. I love that. What, yeah, on the on Oprah's podcast, you talked about nuclear war and all these things actually come down to fear and love. It, it, of it's course not they do. really policies, it's people, yeah. and it's making choices like that. I mean, that. it's insane. It, uh, if you think about it, it's just insane. But this is another, the nuclear issue is another one. You know, we have something like 7,000 nuclear bombs in our country alone. It's I have one, so 7,000. <clears throat> keep it in the backyard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When you, when you think about it, when I was younger, we used to do these protests, ban the bomb. Yeah. There was such a social movement uh, supporting uh, non-proliferation of nuclear weapons. Today, it's what you were talking about before, people just kind of accept it. And that's what concerns mm. me about mm. the world today. We need to wake up because we are, we've all, we're all just acquiescing. It, people think, well, there's nothing I can do about it, so we're just going on with our lives. And it's... Um, it's a death spiral. Uh, humanity is on a collision course with itself. Mm. And um, the system will not disrupt itself. The mm. status quo will not disrupt itself. So I think there's a great awakening going on now, and there are enough people who are looking around and going, this is wrong, this mm. has got to stop, mm. and no one's going to do it. God cannot do for us what he cannot do through us. Mm. Yeah, you're really exciting. You're an, ex <laughs> you're an exciting person. <laughs> I just listening to you now and, and all day and in, in the research I've been doing, I'm just really, I just hope there's more of you coming in oh, all the different you. ways That's so that it can. so sweet of you. Thank you. Yeah. Last question. Can you think of a time you laughed really, really hard in your life? Maybe laughed you were a really, child. really hard? Yeah. It doesn't even have to be a good story. Oh, but That's if, so funny because when you first said it and then you said when you were a child. Yeah. And the time I remember laughing so hard, I was not a child. When was that? When was it? I was in love. And I woke up, and I saw the room, and I saw him, and I just started laughing, and I couldn't stop laughing. What a great answer. Yeah. Just overwhelmed with... <laughs> like, this is right. Oh, One of those wow. moments, this is right. Wow. Is this person still around? No. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, at least you got that. Huh? Better to have laughed and lost, I guess they say. Uh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Marianne, thank you. Thank we'll you. plug all your stuff up top. Thank you. Thank you so much. We have the guests say the catchphrase. I promise you, politically and, and socially, it means nothing. So there's no trap here. But we have the guests say the catchphrase, which is keep it crispy. So it's just how we sign off. <laughs> keep it, it crispy? Yeah, you could say. <laughs> yep, you did. Or say it again. <laughs> it's up to you. Keep it crispy. <laughs> what a thrill. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you. What a thank thrill you. for me. Thanks.